In terms of drag racing, the Honda fraternity has a really strong following. And over the last few years, we've seen a few Honda drag racers convert from front-wheel drive to four-wheel drive. As we've seen this happen, we've also seen the times tumble. And we're here with Norris from Prayunto Racing to talk about the EG Civic Coupe behind me, which currently holds the world record for the fastest four-wheel drive with a 756 at 187 mile an hour. Welcome to High Performance Academy's Tuned In Field Report podcast series. In these special midweek episodes, we look back through our archives to find the best conversations we've had through years worth of attending the best automotive events across the globe. We've pulled the audio from these tech-filled interviews with some of the industry's most well-known figures for you to enjoy as a quick hit of insider knowledge. Now, Norris, you're no stranger to Honda drag racing and Honda performance, and you've got a background in front-wheel drive drag racing. So uh, for me, coming from a four-wheel drive background myself, I've always been amazed at the sort of ETs Hondas could run front-wheel drive only. Do you get to a point where traction really is a limiting issue and you need to go four-wheel drive? Yeah, the traction, I mean, we're making, the front-wheel drives are making about 1,200 horsepower. The traction in first and second gear is, is we're not, we can't put too much power down. With the all-wheel drive uh, car, we're putting down as much power in first gear as the front-wheel drives are in third gear. So that's where all the, the short track of the front all-wheel drive is where all the time comes in. I think it's, it's easy to overlook that. It's all about that 60-foot time, the short track time, as you've just mentioned. And the time that you can make up there is a rough rule of thumb, which is pretty, pretty accurate that if you can drop a tenth of a second to the 60, then that's generally going to be about two tenths by the end of the track. So if you're trying to do it with a front-wheel drive car, you're trying to make a lot of power and do it all in the, in the deep end, it makes your life a lot harder. And what sort of 60-foot times are you seeing with a four-wheel drive car, and how does that compare to front-wheel drive? Uh, the front-wheel drive cars average between 1.4 to 1.5 seconds. Uh, this one is 1.1. And by the time we get to the eighth mile, we're about a half a second faster already than the front-wheel drive car. Yeah, that's an absolutely massive difference. Uh, before we talk about the drivetrain, I want to actually start with the engine configuration you're running in it. Can you talk us through what you've got fitted to the car? The engine is uh, it's a P Racing 2.2 engine long block. Uh, it's got the B Brian Carr BC crankshafts. Uh, it's got the JE pistons. Uh, it's got one of our CNC cylinder heads and uh, camshafts. Uh, it's pretty, pretty. The engine program that we have is pretty basic to what we've been running for the past 10 years in our front wheel drive cars. So the there's nothing new there. So we just basically the engine program's still the same. We just got those extra two wheels in the back to help push it. So essentially what you've done is you've taken what you've learned in front-wheel drive, you've got a package that's working and it's going fast, you haven't changed that, and just added the rear-wheel drive component. Uh, just diving back into that motor in a little bit more detail, so it's a K-series engine. Uh, you're at the moment making how much power estimated? It's kind of hard to tell what we're pushing, um, but from the calculations, uh, front-wheel drive is making about 1,200. This one's definitely making a lot more than front-wheel drive because we can, we can run a little bigger turbo. Uh, so we're, we're talking about probably about 1,400 horsepower. And in order to hold a K-Series engine together, do, is it safe to assume there that the block is sleeved? Yes, the, the block is sleeved. Uh, we are actually working with someone right now to create a billet block because these sleeve blocks with the bigger turbo can't handle the boost pressure that we want to throw at it. So we're kind of being a little conservative right now. Uh, with that being said, once we get that billet block and once we can turn the boost up to what we want it, we're, we're chasing that six-second zone. 
Yeah, that's uh, it's going to be impressive to see. I mean, again, with the fact you're already 756 close, but it's important to understand as well for those who aren't familiar with drag racing. It sounds like half a second would be pretty easy, but that's a, it's a world of hurt when it comes to drag racing when you're already running in the 750s. Now, I just want to talk about the cylinder head there. Uh, what have you done to that? Because that's really the key to the airflow in and out of the engine. The, the rest of the engine, the block there, is just really there for reliability and to support that power. Okay. So the, the cylinder head is, is based off the CRV engine. Uh, we took the, basically the factory CRV cylinder head. Uh, we did our valve job. Uh, we did we we changed the f- uh, flow of the of the porting a little bit. Uh, you know we have a superflow uh, machine at the shop that we can flow the heads and see what we like. We we can gain about maybe around 40 50 CFM more um, on the intake side, exhaust side. We're still pushing it around a little bit, um, but the biggest thing right now is is making the cylinder head not crack. So we're, we're limited at what we can do um, with that, but uh, we're, we're working on that. Do you want to take your car knowledge game to the next level? Join us in the next free lesson at hpacademy.com free and start developing your own skills today. Uh, in terms of the cam setup you're running there, one of the uh, things with Hondas, obviously we've got VTEC, and with the K-Series engine, they also run the iVTEC or variable cam control on the intake cam. Uh, now, traditionally we see with particularly drag race applications where you're running at very high RPM and over a pretty narrow rev range, that v, uh, iVTEC system, the variable cam control, is removed and often also uh, the VTEC as well. So what have you done there? Okay, so we, we don't run the VTEC, we run the VTEC killers, we only run the uh, the center lobes, so it's a single lobe camshaft. Uh, we still run the IV tech, the uh, variable time camming. Um, we choose to run that because if we don't run that in the mid range, we're actually losing about 80 horsepower. So acceleration power with the VTC, we're we're having our mid range power and our top end power by moving the cams. In stock form with the K20 at least, that uh, IVTEC system allows about 50 degrees of camshaft movement, which is significant. Huge help with the factory cams or even mild cams, but of course with that amount of cam movement, uh, once you start running large cam profiles with a lot more lift and a lot more duration, you can get into problems with valve-to-valve or valve-to-piston contact. So is that an issue for you in a drag application? Have you limited the amount or range of movement with the VTC system? Yeah, every engine we built, we always uh, check the valve-to-valve valve clearance, valve to piston clearance. Valve to valve is really important for with, with cam movement. So we are limited of how much we can uh, we can move the cam due to the cam staff size and the, and the valve size that we run, but, but we still move it. Um, with this particular engine, we're still moving five to seven degrees between start to finish. Okay. And that's enough, obviously, as you said, for 80 wheel horsepower or 80 horsepower in the mid-range. And yeah, that's definitely not something you'd be wanting to give up. All right, can we move on to the turbocharger? And again, that's another key to the performance. And uh, with a lot of these classes as well, we see that you are limited on a compressor wheel size. So what, what are you doing there? What are you running? Uh, right now, we run a Garrett Motion 76 millimeter. It's uh, better known as the GTX 50. Uh, we're, the class that we run... We, it's limited to 76 millimeter at a certain weight. We could go to 80 millimeter, but we got to carry a little bit more weight. So, it's a new car. We're still dabbling with uh, with the turbo sizes. Uh, you know, we have weight restrictions on the bigger the turbo we go, the more we got to weigh. So, we we kind of figured we built the car and what the car weighed. We found the turbo size of what the car already weighs. So we don't have to add too much more weight. With that 76 millimeter at the moment, is that limiting you for further development of power? Are you sort of at the the maximum? Do you feel for that turbocharger right now? Uh, hard to say. We we've only had this turbocharger for three four months. Um, 
but you know there are Garrett does offer a lot bigger uh, compressor wheels and turbine sizes which we're going to dabble uh, later on in the year um, like I said we're, we're chasing that 6.9 second zone so you know we're still running ethanol we're still running you know stuff that we run in our front wheel drive because we already know that works so we took that technology and put it in all wheel drive it's a good point to, to add there with the ethanol fuel. While it is a great fuel, uh, as boost pressures climb when we're trying to make more power, generally there, there is a common shift to go to a methanol fuel, which, which is superior, particularly for its uh, knock suppression or knock resistance at very high boost levels. Right, let, let's talk about the drivetrain there, because obviously this is one of the keys to, to that car being four-wheel drive. So what are you running there? Uh, the drivetrain, okay. So the front... It's a case series. Uh, transmission case comes out of the CRV. The transfer case comes out of the CRV. The rear uh, differential is, uh, and the housing came out of a 1988 wagon, Civic wagon. So it's still the drivetrain, still 100% Honda. We just tweaked it a little bit, and made it stronger to accept what we're doing. Hey, it's uh, so no big surprise that factory components wouldn't be handling 1,400 plus horsepower and uh, reliability, at least in the Mitsubishi and Subaru communities for four-wheel drive drag cars, that's really their, their weak point. Uh, in terms of the internals on the gearbox, what are you running there? Uh, we're running a Graf gearbox. They're based out of Argentina. It's a four-speed transmission, uh, dog box. Uh, Still running the factory uh, transfer case from a CRV, the factory drive gear. Uh, they made a billet version of their own, which we're going to be testing also. Uh, so we actually just broke the factory one, so we're definitely going to be testing that very soon. So we, we wanted to push, you know, we have that piece, but we wanted to push the Honda one just to see how far a Honda one can go, just to let people know, like, hey, we tested the Honda unit. This is how many passes it has. This is how fast we're going it, and it broke. So now that we have a solution of this being broken, and hopefully we won't break anymore. Um, now, the other aspect with that, that four-wheel drive setup is it isn't a 50-50 drive, so it's actually predominantly still a front-wheel drive car, which is why, as you said, you can really apply everything you've learned and know so well with the front-wheel drive application. So how much power or torque has actually been transferred to the rear? Right now, we, we're basing it off of uh, the silicone fluid that we have in the viscous coupler, which is in the, in the middle of the drive shaft. It's about 70-30 split right now. It's still considered a front-wheel drive with that extra rear push. Uh, but you know, when we built the car, we knew that that was going to happen, and we built the car just like a front-wheel drive car. And then we have the extra two wheels in the back. So, do you see there any advantage from perhaps adding a little bit more drive to the rear? Or are you happy with where that's at at the moment? You know, as 60-foot times of a four-wheel drive car, no one has gone 1.1 in the four-cylinder. Uh, I don't. Even, I, I think we're good right where we're at right now. I don't want to push it anymore. Um, the average 60 foot was 1.3, 1.2s. We're at 117, 116. So that's extremely fast for what we're doing. So we're just going to keep that the way it is right now and, and just concentrate on horsepower on the back half. In terms of the rest of the chassis setup, again, you've, you've got something that you knew worked really, really well in uh, a front-wheel drive application. Uh, is there anything that you've changed in terms of that suspension setup to add drive to the rear wheels, or is it just purely a front-wheel drive setup as far as you're concerned? It's still a front-wheel drive setup. The, the springs and the, and the shock settings are a little bit different than a uh, front-wheel drive. So that's, yeah. Basically, you know, a couple times when we went out, we only went, you know, a couple launches, six foot, three thirties, just to see how the car reacts on the front wheel drive setup. It's def I mean, the all wheel drive setup, it's definitely different than the front, so we have to make some changes there. Yeah, can we talk about the electronics package in the car? What have you got controlling it? Have you got a driver display in there? Uh, what's, the, what's the setup? 
Uh, we're running the Motec M800. Uh, we had a couple of these laying around. Uh, some of our front-wheel drive cars are running the M1 series from Motec. Uh, I don't think the this car needs the M1 series yet as of now. Um, the, you know, the traction control stuff on the M1 series is a lot more advanced than this one here. But as far as we know, it doesn't need it right now. So we're, we're using that. Uh, so one of the cars has a Motec dash, the other car has an AIM dash. Um, but yeah. You've just uh, touched on traction control there, and even with four-wheel drive, when you've got that much power, traction must be a, a sort of a limiting factor, at least in the in the first half of the track. Uh, are you using any traction control strategies, or is it just purely uh, the likes of boost control, etc.? It, it really depends on the track. Uh, at a good track, we don't really need it, but at some track, we still see some slip in first gear, so we got to use it to calm it down. All right, look, Norris, it's been great to get some insight into this car, and uh, 756, already impressive. Certainly looking forward to seeing if you can push it into the six-second zone, and uh, we wish you the best for the rest of the weekend. Now, if people want to reach out and learn more about your company, how can they get hold of you? Uh, basically, just go to our website, perintoracing.com. Just Google P Racing, Google Perinto. We got, you know, we've been around for like 20-plus years, so it's not hard to find us. Great, good to chat. Thanks, Norris. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you enjoy this podcast, please feel free to leave us a review on whatever platform you've chosen to listen to it on. It goes a long way to helping us get the word out there. All these conversations and much more are also available in full on our High Performance Academy YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe.